Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 109. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Hey, Fire Nation. Are you ready to launch a website? I've created a free step-by-step video that will walk you through the process of buying your domain, installing WordPress, and creating your first post all in under seven minutes. Visit entrepreneuronfire.com blue to find out more and take your entrepreneurial leap today. Okay, let's get started. I am simply elated to introduce my guest today, Will Swain. Will, are you prepared to ignite? I am, John. Wonderful. Will's current role is a managing director of marketingresults.com.au. This role involves helping clients make more out of the internet by leveraging sales and lead generation results of their business websites. Will, I've given Fire Nation a little overview about what you do, but why don't you just take it from here and tell us who you are and a little more about what you do? Sure, John. Uh, Well, as you kindly mentioned, one of the things that I do is I'm the well, I'm the founder of Marketing Results, which is an uh, an online marketing agency based in Australia, and we really specialize in online lead generation and helping our clients attract their ideal customers via the web, and not just attracting one or two, but attract, attracting a steady flow of ideal leads and clients to basically power their business. That's sort of one half of what I do. The other half is I operate what I call a practice, and I'll talk about the distinction between a practice and a business later on, but basically that's my own consulting practice where I consult on web strategy conversion, profit optimization on more of an individual basis kind of outside of the structure of the business. Awesome. Well, I really do look forward to delving into that. But before we do, let's transition to the first topic that we have for today, which is your favorite success quote. At Entrepreneur on Fire, we like to get every show off and rolling with our guest favorite success quote to kind of get the listeners motivated for the content that you have for us today. So, Will, what do you have? Okay, well, I thought about this and when I think of a success quote, sometimes I think of something that's, you know, a bit heavy. So, there is a quote that I really like um, that is I'm constantly surprised by how stupid I was two weeks ago. Um, And this is a favorite quote of a consultant by the name of Alan Weiss. Uh, But for me, the reason why I call this a success quote, I guess, is that, you know, it's not so heavy. It's not one of these kind of never, never give up type type quotes. Um, But this says to me that, you know, success can be a bit of a game. Um, You know, it's, it's lighthearted. And Everything is a test. Everything is, or you know, in, in sense of, in the sense of a market test or a, a business test. Everything's a test, and you're constantly improving. And every time, you know, don't get a too ta- don't get too attached to the present and your current way of doing things, because in two weeks' time, you'll probably realize how stupid certain things were, and you'll come up with a better way. So for me, this is about constant, never-ending improvement. I really love that quote because that's so applicable to me. I mean, as I'm growing Entrepreneur on Fire, I'm constantly frustrated by the challenges that I'm coming across. 
And then you're right, two, three weeks later, I look back at those frustrations that I was having and now it's just so fluid and I feel like almost an expert in certain areas that I used to be clueless in. So I really need to start having that mentality that when I get upset, when I get frustrated, that I'm just going to realize, hey, this is all a learning process as part of being an entrepreneur. And two weeks from now, I'll probably look back and laugh at myself, but at the same time realize that right now, the future two weeks from me will even be more knowledgeable than I currently am. Absolutely. So take us to the ground level here, Will, and give us an example of where you can actually show us where you've applied this quote to your life. I knew certain things about direct marketing and about data analysis and about maybe internet marketing a little bit. Um, But when I started up marketing results, I didn't really have any experience at getting clients. So I sort of had these skills that I was, you know, expecting to apply somehow, but we didn't really have clients ourselves. And this is before we kind of, you know, it was a general direct marketing or, um, uh, small business marketing consultancy, if you like, in those days. So we didn't quite have the same focus as we do now. But, um, yeah, and I worked out that, you know, even though I had these skills, I didn't, you know, I had the marketing consulting skills or some skills, but I didn't actually have any skills at getting marketing consulting clients. So that was a, a realization that I realized I needed to solve pretty quick. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a marketing consultant anymore. I'd be, you know, back on back, back in a job. Um, so, how did I overcome this? Well, uh, I basically sort of, you know, reached a stage where like things were coming more and more, more and more serious because I had a sort of sporadic work, but it was really low quality and it was, you know, not the sort of stuff I wanted to do, and it was low hourly rate. And, or low low return and the money started drying up basically so I sort of became more and more um, the need became more and more urgent and I remember one day I was you know doing some searching online and came across a product called uh, the coaches and consultants marketing boot camp um, which was produced by a guy called David Fry an American guy he actually had a really superb sales letter himself but it was a selling a kit of stuff about kind of how to get how to get clients for coaches and consulting. And um, it wasn't, you know, it was $300 or something like that, which was not an insignificant amount to spend at the time uh, unless I was going to get results from it. Um, But, you know, I thought it looked good. I did actually purchase that and I started applying the ideas and it was actually a really, really good product. Even today, I think it's a good product. And uh, that helped me to establish more of a position in the market and start to attract more people who potentially had a need for the skills that I could bring to the table. Um, and then that sort of started to kick things along. So the lesson there for me was basically like, you know, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to admit that you don't know all the answers and seek targeted help um, from real experts and people that have trodden the path that you wish to tread. Uh, otherwise, you know, potentially in trouble. I don't think enough people seek the right help from the right people soon enough. Now, that's just a great lesson to pull from that. And we'll use that to transition to our next topic, which is failure, which are challenges, which are obstacles that need to be overcome. Because as an entrepreneur, we all have journeys. And this is about your journey as an entrepreneur. So, Will, take us back to a point where you faced an obstacle or you had a challenge that you really had to overcome or to pivot 
take us back to that point and really share with us how you faced this challenge. Um, I think as you progress in business, you know, you go from plateau to plateau really, don't you? You know, one challenge could sort of hold you back from quite a while and then you jump to the next plateau. I think a recent challenge uh, that I think is reasonably instructive is I've got a couple of things I do, as I mentioned. I've got the the, the Will Swain practice, um, which is really a one, you know, it's, it's one-on-one consulting, it's mastermind groups, it's some product, you know, information product sales. Uh, and then there's the business, which is actually managing pay-per-click accounts or SEO programs or conversion optimization for clients on an ongoing basis. And I sort of found myself um, – more and more drawn well, well interested in the practice side and the consulting side but at the same time the business growing and adding more people and all that sort of thing was really really consuming my time um, on the business side and I found that I was um, putting more and more work into the business with less and less results really so um, and it wasn't taking me in a direction that I wanted to go and it was sort of yes it was you know it's good it's certainly, you know, it's a good income. I've got no sort of uh, complaints on the financial front, but it really felt like a really laborious job with a lot of hours and a sort of, you know, real high intensity stuff. Now, were you scaling at any point during this process or is this really a situation where you were trading your time for money? Um, there was a little bit of growth going on, but actually... Um, well, actually, to answer your time for money question, no, this is completely time for money. This is this is very much time for money, uh, except the fact that I have a team and you know other people's time comes in too to leverage to leverage that. But um, yeah, it's pretty. It's it's not sort of yeah. The, the the practice side is more scalable for a number of reasons. So, what was this failure that you just came across and faced? Well, the failure I think was that I was putting more and more time into the business. Um, the team was growing a little bit. The revenue was growing a little bit, but the expenses were growing exponentially faster. So I was doing more and more work um, for less and less reward, um, and there wasn't really the I – di- I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's um, not a sustainable model. No, no. And, and it was actually at the same time taking me away from what I did see was, was exciting and profitable, which was the consulting and the mastermind groups and the, and the information products. So it was a bit of a sandwich effect, I suppose. And eventually I thought, well, you know, um, you know I definitely wasn't in a, a space where I would define it as successful because I was going backwards in a lot of areas to what I want to go in, which is, you know, not only financial success, but, but time, success, location, freedom, um, and, and all those other things, and, and just happiness and engagement with the work I'm doing. So your success is growing a little bit, your revenue is growing a little bit, but your expenses and your cost to run your business is growing a lot. What pivot or change did you make to overcome this? For me, it was a couple of things. I mean, one was to uh, let go of the kind of you know, ec- you know, exit number in my head, or, or or an equity building plan for the agency for the business, because I think I've run the business. You know, when I sort of first started, I thought, oh, okay, I'll build up 
marketing results and run it for a bit and then I'll sell it and, you know, I'll get a, you know, big bunch of, you know, not, not, you know, it's only an agency. It's not, you know, it's hardly the next Instagram, but, um, you know, uh, I'll, 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 you know, get some equity and maybe move on to the next project and stuff like that. And that was really holding me back, I think, because I was sort of trying to, I was investing a lot of stuff up front um, in, in, in exchange for a potential future payoff. And that potential future payoff seemed more and more distant because of the dynamics of the, the agency sort of business. Um, you know, it's very people intense, et cetera, et cetera. So one thing I did was to sort of let go of that and say, look, um, it's not about an exit number. It's also about income on the way through and total returns um, from a financial perspective. But from a lifestyle perspective, it's also like how happy and engaged I, are in, uh, I am in the job in, in, in the day-to-day and, and who I'm working with. So I let go of that for one thing. Um, from a practical sense, we actually sort of um, put separate, basically created separate business units in the in the books. So I'd have my practice income in one column and my some expenses like travel attributable to the practice and then I'd have the business income in the other column. So basically mentally separated them and then went back to the team, the business team and said, look, um, from now on, the revenue is really the business revenue under management, and that's the, that's that's the thing I'd like you to, you guys to drive. And the practice or the consulting I'm doing separately can fit, you know, can fit in vice versa. But but they're kind of two different, se- you know, separate business units right now. And that's been um, that's been really a positive. It sounds like a small shift, perhaps, but it's it's freed up a bit of mental RAM and and a bit of energy to. To, to continue to innovate and grow. No, it seems like it was a definite pivot, Will, and that's the thing about pivots is that even if they are they are small at the beginning, the divergence just increases over time. It can just truly take your company in a completely different direction over the course of months or years. So even small pivots first can really magnify out. So I definitely see where you're going. And let's use that to transition to the next topic, which is the other end of the spectrum. You obviously had that failure where you saw your business was kind of tailspinning into a situation where your costs were shortly going to be larger than your revenue was. And you pivoted and you avoided that. You had that little aha moment that you were able to just say, let's go in this direction. So take us to another time back in your journey where you had this really big light bulb that just came on. The clouds parted. The sun was shining, and you said, "Wow, this is an aha moment that I think could really resonate with my clients, with the people that I deal with." Do you have one of those? It was two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, and we were a bit of a general small business marketing consultancy. But we did do some, you know, did a couple of Google AdWords campaigns. We did some web stuff, and that was really, really successful. It was really successful, and. Also, we found that the web was something we could control quite well. So if the client engaged us, we could build a website, get some traffic running, and actually get them leads and results. But if, we, if, if, you know, if I went in and consulted with them or wrote them a direct mail piece or something, then they could, there were a number of ways they could muck it up, you know, that maybe they didn't send the direct mail piece or they didn't, you know, um, um, you know they couldn't put it in the envelopes or, or whatever, you know, or they didn't have a list. So... We got into the web um, 
that control reason partly because we could get results and it was in our control and the client could just pay us the money and get the results. Um, but the problem with most web marketing models, and it's a bit different now, but at the time, most web, web agencies were actually project houses. So they were doing website designs and projects. And the problem with that environment is twofold. One, you always have to be chasing the next project. So you chase the project and then you go, oh, phew, got a project. And then you have to switch to delivery. And when you switch to delivery, you typically stop marketing. And then you finish the project, you get paid and you go, oh, gee, I've got to do marketing again. So it was very lumpy, it was very stop-start. <clears throat> that was one problem. The other problem from the client perspective was that um, if you do a web, you know, it, it might, again, it might seem common knowledge now, but in, in those days, there was a little sense of if you build a web, you know, if you build it, they will come. You know, it, having an online presence was all about building a website, doing a project, getting it done, and then, oh, gee, we can relax now. But what we increasingly found is that that was really only step one of a, of a 10,000 step journey. And being able to manage, manage proactively optimize, proactively improve um, was a real source of value. So the aha moment, I suppose, was to switch to a project model to an ongoing retainer model, whereby instead of them paying one amount for a project, they would pay one amount for a project and then X dollars per month for us to continue to proactively push and manage their online presence. So the aha moment I think that's applicable to people listening is the idea of continuity income. And doesn't matter what business you're in, I always believe there has to be a continuity income stream so that clients are paying you X dollars per month in order to continue to avail themselves of your services. It's not just a transactional um, you know, per product or per service type of deal. Absolutely. That recurring model of income is so important and can really just sustain a business and make you project out to the future because then you can actually plan for the future when you know what you're going to have, at least as a base of financials Absolutely. coming in. Yeah. yeah, and I think the recurring model these days is sort of very well known, certainly in tech circles and in internet circles, you know, email systems and shopping carts and all sorts of things now are X dollars per month. But I think the practice applies equally to offline bricks and mortar style businesses or traditional services businesses. So if you're a car wash or an accountant or a, um, you know, a mechanic or, or virtually anything, I believe there's scope for continuity services. Absolutely. Well, have you had an I've made it moment yet? I try to focus on projects and goals and the achievement of those, but uh, also when I do achieve them, there's always the next thing. So I never, I kind of equate saying I've made it with um, maybe stagnation. Um, but at the same time, there's potentially a moment where someone says, you know, they get to a space where they sort of go, look, I don't need to prove myself anymore. I don't need to, I don't need to be fearful. Um, you know, I can act out of strength and not weakness, that kind of thing. So I think in a professional sense, uh, I, I think I've reached that, that realization. No, I always have loved this question because it brings out such a variety of answers with entrepreneurs. Some entrepreneurs come right back and say, absolutely, I have an I've made it moment every single day when I wake up. And then other entrepreneurs say, 
Absolutely not. The day I have an I've made a moment is the day that I die. And I really believe that the good sweet spot is somewhere in the middle because you really need to be setting goals for yourself and really driving hard to achieve those goals. But once you reach that platform, that plateau that you've alluded to earlier, you really need to kind of step back, take a deep breath and appreciate the achievement that you've had up to that point because Entrepreneur on Fire is about the journey. And Will, you're an entrepreneur and you're on a journey right now and that's all you have and that's what we have and it's just not about the destination. So I always stress the Fire Nation to our listeners, enjoy the journey. You definitely want to have goals and you definitely want to celebrate those goals and they're reached. And then it's time to set that next lofty goal and drive towards it. Indeed. So Will, you're rock and roll in your business right now. You have a lot of cool things going on. If you could just pull one thing out and share with Fire Nation one thing that's exciting you about your business right now. Uh, right now, the thing that's exciting me most is doing more one-on-one consulting days with, with successful businesses and su- businesses that have a successful website um, whom I can really benefit, I can really help. So when I do strategy sessions with clients, at the end of the day, um, I usually ask them to sort of conservatively estimate the value of the strategies and plans that we've come up with and um, during the time together. And the typical client sort of says that they feel the day's worth between 200000 and a million dollars in additional profit over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. So that to me is very exciting and satisfying because I really feel I'm making a difference. Um, so it really comes down to client selection, I suppose. It's it's doing that doing that process with the right people because I know that if it's with the right people, I can really really assist. Um, and those people are normally uh, companies that are already successful online, already profitable online, but want to be more so. Um, um, and equally, I know that if it's not the right fit, there's probably not a much of a point. But uh, I guess it's that sense of making a difference. Will, be as specific as you're willing to be on this next question. You've just shared that you love working with successful companies and making a difference with them. Share with us a time or a situation where you have improved a successful company. Be specific. How have you improved their revenue, their income, their website? What have you done? Basically, it was a successful uh, online business, uh, an info marketing business, um, sort of near high six-figure income. And we looked at what they were doing and well, I looked at what they were doing and they were doing a lot of things right. Um, but they just had optimization opportunities. So we looked at a few things. One was, oh, we, you know, lots of ideas, but I'll just give you two or three. One of them was that they had a lot of opt-ins every day. They had like 75 opt-ins a day. Um, but on the thank you page, they didn't really have any offer. So we said, well, let's put an offer there and let's come up with what that would look like. So uh, eventually they, they said, yep, cool. They did that. Um, and um, now they make two sales a day off that, off that page, which is 200 bucks a day. So it's, you know, 70 grand that's been made there just, just through that one thing that they weren't doing before. Um, another thing was to look at their pricing strategy and, you know, instead of sending people always to buy certain offers, uh, certain products, to say, you know, $50, um, we would have a range of options. So the main sales letter would be about product A. But then at the bottom would say, um, 
well, product A is fifty dollars, or product B is even better, and that's you know that, that's sort of A plus something else, and that's three hundred dollars, and then product C is really awesome, and that's A plus B plus something else, and that's two thousand uh, dollars. And by putting in place these new pricing strategies, um, they were actually just a, well in a recent launch, they were able to double revenue uh, over what they would have done if they'd just offered one price point. So there's a couple of examples, I suppose. Those are some great examples, and that's the kind of stuff I love talking about, and I love picking your brain at because that is such valuable information for any business because when it comes down to it, we're all salesmen. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, an entrepreneur of any kind. We're all in sales. It's really easy to think, oh, but my business is different, as, as Dan Kennedy likes to say. And... Uh, I did another day with a consultant who was selling um, sort of projects, if you like, for typically 10, normally in the 10 to $25,000 range. And we came up with a new way of sort of presenting those, those projects and, and, and prices so that there were two options. And the first option was 10 to 25, and then the second option was sort of 20 to 45, um, a deluxe option, if you like. And... So it was a totally different service. Um, so he started doing that and presented six proposals. And three people said, I think I'll have the second option, thanks. And I think two went ahead with the second option. So they basically created ten to $15,000 of additional revenue, most of that profit, per, per project, simply by asking the question. If the question wasn't asked, that, that wouldn't have materialized. Absolutely. And I just love that psychology that goes into what makes a person buy and the price anchoring and then the multiple options and the layers. And there are some people that are just always going to go for the most expensive thing. And then there are other people that will really always feel comfortable with the middle price object, no matter what there is a higher or a lower. But if there is just that middle price project by itself and there is nothing above or below it, then all of a sudden they're not comfortable with it because that's all there is. So it's so interesting how people think and how you can really craft your offers to kind of hit every different dimension of a person. Absolutely. It's been a, a breakthrough idea for me and our clients, certainly. Oh, it's great stuff. I could keep talking about this for a lot longer, but we're going to have to move into my favorite part of the show, and that's the lightning rounds. This is where I provide you with a series of questions, and you come back with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan? Okay. What was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, look, I don't think it was anything in particular. It was probably a little bit of confidence, a little bit of maturity, a little bit of timing. Um, I, I was employed uh, for four years after uni in one company, and that was overseas in Japan, actually, and then I came back to Australia and I was just in a place where um, I wanted to give it a go to go out on my own instead of getting a job. And I possibly didn't have any sort of amazing kind of broadly, uh, well, immediately applicable specialist skills to the Australian market as I'd been working in a very niche field in Japan. So yeah, just, just, just the confidence really to, to make it happen and have a little bit of financial backing to, you know, at least do the first six months, if you like, without having to worry about where the, where the next 
you know, meal was going to come from. Absolutely. The longer the runway that we can have as startup entrepreneurs, the better every time. What's the best business advice that you ever received? Ooh, that's a really hard one. I, I, I think um, Dan Kennedy has a saying that the most dangerous number in business is what is the number one. Um, and I don't know if you've heard that before, but basically what he's meaning is um, if you only have one person or one process or one machine or one something, then that one person or linchpin, that's going to break. It's going to leave. It's going to resign. It's going to fall sick. It's going to, you know, malfunction. And then you're going to be stuffed. So the, I guess, corollary to that is to make sure that you've got more than one person or one process or one tool or one machine in play all the time and constantly be looking for, for bottlenecks and, and risk points and, and trying to solve them or clear them before they become an issue. Do you have an internet resource that you can share with Fire Nation? Absolutely. Yeah, I think a pretty cool resource that uh, is a bit different is a thing called Trello.com. T-R-E-L-L-O.com. And Trello.com is like a, um, it's like an, on, an online pinboard, um, if you like. Some people call it Pinterest for guys. But um, it's basically a tool where you can kind of put up, put up um, you can, yeah, it's a, it's a tool that's really flexible. You should go have a look. It's free. It's totally free. Um, and you can use it to manage projects and manage workflows and, and collaborate with other people in a really, really simple, intuitive way that's a lot simpler than Basecamp or any sort of um, more high-powered tool. But, yeah, worth checking out. Cool. Definitely we'll check it out. Have you heard of Asana? I have not heard of Asana. I was just given that as an internet resource twice in the last two weeks, so I went and checked it out. And it sounds very similar to Trello, so I'd like to uh, to try Trello out, compare the two, and I'd like you to try out uh, Asana and let me know what you think about that. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> What's the best business book that you've ever read? Oh, it's so hard um, to pick just one um, because I do love reading, but... Look, I think it's pretty hard to go wrong with um, getting everything you can out of all you've got by Jay Abraham. Um, from a marketing and business growth perspective, it's just really, really practical, substantive uh, advice and strategies for growing a business. Awesome. Well, this is the 63rd interview that I've done, and the first time anybody's said Jay Abraham, which is shocking to me because I love that guy, but um, I'm glad he's on the list. Yeah. So this last question is my favorite, but it's kind of a tricky one. So take your time, digest it, and then you can just come back at Fire Nation with an answer. Does that sound like a plan? Cool. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you were in a new world, it was identical to Earth, but you knew nobody. You still had all the experience and knowledge that you currently have right now. All of your shelter and food is taken care of, but you only have $500 in your pocket and a computer with internet access. What would you do in the next seven days? It's an interesting question. Um, I guess given that you know, the money's going to run out 
Um, I mean, my initial sort of thinking on this was to, you know, I, I guess spend the whole seven days almost in, in not, not meditation as such, but in thinking and reflection and exploring. So basically exploring the new world, the new society for unmet needs, basically. And I believe if there's an unmet need that people really care enough about, then there's a business idea there. Um, so I wouldn't sort of, um, that, that would be if I had the luxury to, to do that. If I really needed to put food on the table, then I'd probably go out and find someone and help them sell something or help them, help them uh, um, you know, optimize some sort of commerce that they're doing uh, on a you know, fee or percentage of profit basis. Find the pain. Yeah. Love it. Find the pain and also think, I mean, a lot of the times people sort of get into a business quickly and then like six months down the track, they're like, oh, it's not really a good business. I'd rather spend, you know, two months thinking about what business I'm going to get into and then get into it with more certainty and, and more knowledge that it's going to work, you know. No, and that's why I love this question, Will, because so many entrepreneurs that I talk to, obviously, they love what they're doing on a lot of levels. That's why they're doing it. But at the same time, they are definitely delved into what they're doing and not really open to other opportunities that they're seeing on a day-to-day basis. So it's a way to kind of share those things that other entrepreneurs have to kind of let pass by because they're focused on what they're currently doing and not able to tackle everything at once. And it just really can help Fire Nation who find themselves with basically a clean slate. I, I really believe in, in focus. So you want to focus and defocusing can often be negative, you know, starting up lots of projects but not really developing or focusing anyone, on, on any one thing. However, when you do focus on, like when you have a baby, like for me it's sort of the agency, um, it can be hard to change and innovate because you're going, look, you know, the, the the, the revenue is coming in in this way right now, and if we move over to this new thing, then maybe it's not going to, you know, it might not work. And then I've got all this payroll, and I've got all this cost, and you know, then I'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be you know terrible. But sometimes creating another vehicle, so another business, another website, an offshoot, or something like that, gives you a little sandpit to try new things and innovate in a way that it's uh, easier to do than in an established entity. And then I've found that a useful technique to, to try new things and get, get past those psychological blocks, I suppose. And if it really works, you can always incorporate it back into the main thing. And then it goes along with what Dan Kennedy was saying, which is you're creating a multi-headed beast instead of just having one beast that you're forced to rely on. So, Will, you've given us some great actionable advice this entire interview, and we're all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye. In any industry, from a marketing perspective, you want to manipulate the supply and demand ratios in your favor. Um, I, was looking, I did a case study the other day of a, an Italian hairdresser uh, who charges $20,000 for a haircut. Now, is the $20,000 haircut really, um, you know, hundreds of times better than a standard haircut on a high street or a mall? Um, probably not, but he's managed to manipulate supply and demand in his favor. So I think one part of that is, is deal flow. 
it's, it's lead flow, it's deal flow, and it's opportunity flow. And if you can create a strong opportunity flow into your business that's like systematic and automated and predictable, then it gives you so much more freedom to price how you want, to choose your customers, to not work with people who you don't want to work with or who don't, you know, they don't have the same values or whatever. And that's probably, I guess, a broad piece of advice. Um, in terms of uh, plug for marketing results, um, uh, yeah, if, uh, particularly if, you've, if you're already uh, advertising online and you're probably spending at least $10,000 uh, a month on online advertising like Google AdWords and things like this um, and or you have a business uh, that's you know heavily web-based and has you know probably a couple hundred thousand profit a year or more then uh, I really think it would be valuable to get in touch and have a chat about your situation and whether or not I can potentially add value to your uh, situation. Um, if you're a little bit smaller and you're still growing that's absolutely fine too uh, if you go on to marketing-results.com.au, um, you'll find our uh, free e-course, which is seven steps to doubling your website leads. And it's good practical stuff, real case studies and examples, not the usual fluff um, or, or regurgitated um, you know, information that you'll get on most kind of email lists. And that you know, a lot of people have said that's added some value to them and uh, if that could assist you as well, then please feel free. Awesome, Will. Well, we will link all this up in the show notes at entrepreneuronfire.com slash 63. So we will have the link to that website right there. Thank you again for your time. Fire Nation, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. All right, Fire Nation. Are you pumped up to create a podcast and share your message with the world? Don't let your lack of time, knowledge, or skills hold you back. All you need to do is record an MP3, send it to my team at Entrepreneur on Fire, and we do the rest. It's really that simple. Visit podplatform.com, that's P-O-D platform.com to find out more. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.